Grace, peace, and mercy is yours from the triune God. Amen. <clears throat> a couple hours ago on Facebook, uh, Catherine posted that she just saw a snake on her hike. And as her pastor, I thought it best to reply, if it starts talking, don't listen. <laughs> this likely came to mind since I was editing this very sermon about Adam and Eve. The story of the Garden of Eden is what is called an origin story, and every culture has theirs. Origin stories tell us how the world came about and where we came from and other important things like why snakes don't have legs. <laughs> we think we might know our origin story really well, but in the Genesis account of the Garden of Eden, there actually is no mention of sin or a fall, or Satan, or temptation, and I hate to break it to you, but there wasn't even an apple. Which means the cultural understanding of the story of the Garden of Eden is slightly corrupted. And this is due in part to the countless paintings throughout the history of Western art, which for some reason portray a tree and a snake and an extremely white Adam and Eve holding a red delicious. <laughs> See, for generations, folks have called the tale of Adam and Eve and the serpent and the forbidden fruit the fall from grace or the story of original sin, which is a little weird to me. Like, God created the heavens and the earth and animals, and it was like this awesome, all-inclusive, primeval club med for Adam and Eve. They ran naked through the warm sunlight of an idyllic paradise and everything was theirs for the taking except that one tree which they were told to steer clear of. And this absolute paradise in the garden between God and humanity lasted approximately 20 minutes. <laughs> Until Eve had a chat with the talking snake and then disobeyed God and ate the forbidden fruit. And because Eve ate some fruit she was told not to, now all of humanity is cursed, and this so-called original sin of Eve's became sort of like a sexually transmitted disease, because now, according to this version of the story, now every person born after that inherited original sin from Eve. That's right. Eve messed it up for everyone by eating a piece of fruit God told her not to, which kind of feels unfair to her and kind of unfair to us. But we're told that this is what the story is about. See, religion has taught many of us that the story of Adam and Eve is a story primarily about their disobedience and that the fracture in the relationship between God and humanity is caused by us breaking God's arbitrary little rules. So it feels like maybe religion was established just so we could be certain of what rules we need to follow in order for our relationship with God to be a loving, peaceful one. But this week, after reflecting on several conversations I've had with many of you, about your lives and identities and the struggles we all have to hear the truth of who we are, well, I started to wonder if the real damage to the relationship between Adam and Eve and God wasn't the rule-breaking nearly as much as it was in allowing themselves to believe lies about themselves and God. See, the serpent lied to them 
about who they were and who God was. And like all the most dangerous lies, these lies the serpent told were just enough close to the truth to be really destructive. Which makes me wonder about one thing. When Adam and Eve listened to a voice other than God's and believed a voice other than God's and disobeyed, when they were trying to avoid God and God calls out and says, where are you? And they say, we are naked. And God says, who told you you were naked? Well, I wonder this. How would this story have ended differently if they simply said, yeah, we totally screwed up. We were wrong. We listened to a voice other than yours and we didn't trust you and please forgive us. How differently would the story have ended? I mean, maybe their disobedience, while not insignificant, wasn't as big a deal as it's been made out to be. Because from what I know of the God revealed in Jesus Christ, forgiveness is like a really big deal to God. Reconciliation and the desire to make whole that which is broken is a big part of God's redeeming heart for us. And when, like Adam and Eve, we can't just say the truth and instead we hide and are fearful and rationalize and justify and blame other people, when we do this, it's like we rob God of being the forgiving, redemptive God God wants to be for us and always has. See, Genesis tells us that God made us and indeed all of creation good. Not perfect, but good. So given the good but not perfect nature of humanity, maybe messing up and then speaking the truth of it and then allowing God to forgive and make whole that which we have broken has just always been part of the deal. If there was a fall, if there was something which tore at the fabric of our relationship with God, maybe it wasn't eating the forbidden fruit. Maybe it was fear and shame and untruth. Because while Adam and Eve had done something wrong, what they felt wasn't guilt. Guilt didn't make them hide their nakedness. That was shame. And here's why that distinction is important. Because guilt is about what we've done, but shame is about who we are. We should feel guilty for the wrong we do. That's healthy and leads us to the foot of the cross where we receive grace upon grace for the forgiveness of sins. Shame, on the other hand, that's different. Shame keeps us afraid of God. And as I said earlier, this is an origin story. And here's something we learn from Adam and Eve. Shame has an origin, and it's not God. When they are filled with shame and trying to avoid God, God says, where are you? God seeks them, and they say, we were naked and tried to hide from you because we were afraid. And God said to them, who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? My money's on the snake. <laughs> For some reason, God allows us to live in a world where alternatives to God's voice exist. For instance, like the serpent. And those alternatives to God's voice are where shame originates. And there is another term for alternatives to God's voice, and it's that which we call demonic. Shame, when it keeps us hiding and blaming and fearful and separated from God, is demonic. And Jesus, 
as we hear in our gospel text for today, has no patience for this. Jesus just absolutely insists on destroying false voices of shame. Because shame kept Adam and Eve from the truth, as it has continued to keep all of us from the truth. Eve blames the serpent, and Adam blames Eve, and the shaming continues, and God's forgiveness is simply not allowed to take hold. And maybe you are sitting here tonight hiding, having listened to a voice other than God's tell you who you are. And maybe that story is so familiar that you think it's the truth. But consider that you might not know your own story. Listen, and maybe you can hear God saying, who told you you were naked? Who told you that you have to lie to be loved? Who told you your body is not beautiful and worthy of being loved? Who told you that you must manipulate everything in your life to get what you need? Who told you that God cannot forgive, that you or anyone else is not redeemable? Who told you that what you have done, good or bad, is who you are? Who told you that? My money's on the snake. And he's a damn liar and always has been. So if that snake starts talking blasphemy, don't listen. God wants more for you and just always has. Amen.